So I'm so happy that we could all get together today. I'm going to share some things with you um, uh, so you kind of know uh, the, the space that I'm in and some things that are going on for me. So I've had about six months now of, um, of first days and then um, weeks and now into months of extreme weariness, uh, lethargy, and um, and I'm uh, having all kinds of tests, uh, uh, medical tests to see what's going on. But but one of the ways that it manifests is that um, I get um, I can be in the middle of a sentence and completely. Um, lose track of where I am or what what I'm talking about or trying to find a word. And so uh, if that happens today, just please just be with me. Give uh, uh, what I've learned is if I just give myself space and patience, uh, either the word comes or the thought comes or we move on to something else. So just, just, uh, I invite you to go with me where we go. Uh, today, I, uh, uh, I wrote to you earlier to say that I wanted to talk about actualizing the fundamental point. Actualizing the fundamental point. We'll look into what that is. But I'd like to tell you about Ihe Dogen. Uh, Ihe Dogen was a, a, a Zen teacher who lived in Japan in the 13th century. And he was the founder of Soto Zen, one of our sister traditions of Zen. The founder of Soto Zen. And he actually revolutionized Zen practice in Japan. He was one of a couple of people that really um, um, brought to fruition a practice of Zen that is very familiar to us in the mindfulness tradition. And I, I tend to think of him as like the Thich Nhat Hanh of his time in terms of the scope of his teaching. Um, he was a really prolific writer also who left behind a fairly wide uh, uh, and deep um, collection of his writings uh, that are have really been uh, uh, profoundly influenced the way we approach Zen in the West um, and certainly uh, uh, in in Japan in the East. So one of the things that actually I, I can can I show you a picture? <laughs> well, actually, I don't know if this picture popped up. Let me check and see. Yeah, it did. Okay, I'm going to show you this. So uh, Glenn and I. On our first trip, does anybody, everybody see that? Glenn and I visited Dogen's temple. Uh, in Japan, on, a, on our our first trip to Japan back in like 2003, maybe 
uh, to uh, ask Glenn to send me this picture. He goes, who are those guys? Who are those young guys? Uh, and so it was just such a privilege to get to actually go and practice at Dogen's Temple uh, there in in uh, Japan, uh, kind of in central Japan. And one of the many things that Dogen wrote was something he called the Genjo Koan, which actually summarized a lot of his teachings. That, that word Genjo Koan is translated by one of my teachers, Kaz Tanahashi, who is a, a sensei teacher at uh, San Francisco Zen Center. Um, and he is, is, is the person who uh, translated Genjo Koan as actualizing the fundamental point. And the Genjo Koan was a letter that, uh, that Dogen wrote to a lay practitioner back in the year 1233. And so, I think we can read it as a letter to us as well. And we're not going to read it today, but I certainly read it as a letter to myself. And, and maybe in one of our sutra services, we can read some of it. Um, it's it's uh, the Genja Koan. What does that mean? Gen means to be present, to be in the moment. And Jo is to be complete. To, be, to become, to accomplish. So the combined word genjo, therefore means like to manifest, to actualize, to appear and become. It's another way, genjo is another way of saying self nature, our original nature, our true nature. So, Genja Koan is the original self-nature of the universal Dharma realm, just as it is. What is the universal Dharma realm? We all know through Thai that this Dharma realm, this ultimate dimension, this temporal dimension, is immeasurable and limitless. And the fundamental point that we are to actualize is to realize that we are living expressions of the Buddha Dharma. That we are, in fact, are the Buddha Dharma. That we are, in fact, all Buddhas. That we are all Buddha. That nothing is outside of Buddha Dharma that nothing is outside of Buddha. We all know that Buddha means one who is awakened, the awakened one. Therefore, that we are all Buddhas means that we, each and every one of us, have the potential for awakening, the potential for waking up, the potential to wake up. People, human beings, seem to be the only manifestation of the universe that we know of, 
that is unaware of our birthright of awakening. You can be unaware of this amazing birthright. We're the only manifestation of the universe that we know that can consciously self-realize that birthright and choose to live in accordance with it. We can choose to live in accordance with this birthright of awakening. And that's amazing. That's at once mysterious and magnificent. So how do we connect with and actualize that birthright of Buddhahood? And we spend a lot of time talking about the importance of practice, uh, about how to live ethical lives through the Eightfold Path and through the five precepts and the five mindfulness trainings and 14 mindfulness trainings. And how do we actualize this fundamental point of our Buddhahood? How do we actualize our Buddha nature? By waking up to it. And we wake up to it through practice. What is practice? You know, when I met my teacher, uh, I came to practice back in 1991. And uh, um, uh, met Thai in 1995 and took the five wonderful precepts at the time, the five mindfulness trainings. Um, and and then I, I, I didn't have a Sangha. I was living in Southern California. I didn't have a Sangha. I was practicing by myself until I moved to Seattle and joined the mindfulness community of Puget Sound. And uh, and met my teacher Eileen Kira back in the year two thousand. So I'd already been practicing ten years, and I I I um I'd read all of Thai's books that I could get my hands on. I'd rented back then. There were places you could rent the audio tapes of Thai's bookstores. There were bookstores where you could rent audio tapes of Thai's retreats. And the first retreat I I uh, um, uh, rented and listened to tape after tape, 16 tapes, as I recall, was present moment, wonderful moment. So I had all those teachings of different different meditations to do, breathing in, breathing out. In my practice interview with my teacher, she asked me, what, what is it you do on the cushion? How are you practicing? And I'd been practicing the 16 steps of the Anapanasati Sutra, the, the, the 16 exercises on breathing in and out. I gotten the book Blooming of a Lotus, and I was memorizing the meditation on uh, uh, the, the elements, the earth elements, and calm, ease, smile, release. I'd heard about meta meditation. So I, and so I kind of listed all these things. And she just looked at me and said, 
So it sounds like you're pretty busy on your cushion. <laughs> and I, I said, oh, proudly, yes, I'm memorizing these things and I bring them forward. And she said, have you ever had a quiet moment in your head? <laughs> I don't remember what I said, but the answer was no. I had never had a quiet moment in my head. And she gave me the practice of a, a koan practice. And that koan was, who hears? Who hears that sound? And through that practice, by way of that practice, I learned just sitting. Just sitting. So what is Zen meditation practice? It's an exercise that we do to wake up. And Dogen, remember him, Dogen taught that practice itself is realization. It is awakening. That practice and awakening are not separate. That practice is awakening. And awakening is practice. So I have a story about that. So I, uh, I studied also with my teacher's husband, who was a Zen teacher in the Diamond Sangha tradition. And uh, and he loved to quote this this uh, quote of Dogen's that that you know the practice is awakening, and so I used to do the orientation at our practice center, and um, this one person had come to I would have like maybe five or six people come every every couple once a month actually for new practice orientation, and. I was told in advance that this one person was kind of had some um, uh, some developmental issues, uh, and 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 he would be in my face. <laughs> and so he 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 indeed, when we were kind of talking about uh, the the practice and orientation in our our form and how we practice the form, he looks at me and he stops me and he says, "So is anybody?" enlightened around here is anybody here awakened and another person in i i sat there for a moment and another person said well tiknot han is certainly an awakened being and and i then quoted dogen and said that you know dogen says that when we practice deeply together when we practice deeply that is awakening. And so he then came and sat with us that day for, for practice. And it happened to be a day that our teacher was there and she gave a talk. And after the talk, he went up and was talking to her. And I had no idea what he was saying, but she came over to me and signaled to me after everyone was gone, I need to talk with you. <laughs> and she said that he came over to her and said that I was awakened. <laughs> that that uh, everybody in our practice center was awakened and 
she gave me the direction. She actually not only told me then, but uh, at another later time with a, a number of her senior students said, never ever say that you're awakened. So that's an interesting thing to hold that we are awakened and we know that we're awakened. But what other people hear when we say we're awakened by virtue of our practice, not everybody gets that. Nobody understands what we're saying there. The quality of the time we spend on our cushions or in our chair is really important. You know, what doesn't count as meditation? What doesn't count as practice? Just sitting there thinking. Thinking about something. Or thinking about nothing. Daydreaming. Those really don't count as practice. When at the beginning of a retreat, my teacher used to always say, we're, we're starting seven days of retreat. Don't waste this. If you're going to be sitting here, and we would sit for about five or six hours each day throughout the day. And she would say, don't, don't you're sitting here. Don't waste this time by letting your mind just go where it will, thinking about this or that. And she'd ask each of us to, to choose a practice, choose one practice that we would do throughout the entire retreat. Whether it was listening to sound, counting our breaths, metta, whatever our practice, choose one practice and stick with it, stick with it. We don't waste the time on the cushion. And how do we do that? Well, first of all, we ask ourselves, why do we sit in meditation? Yes, we sit to wake up. At the core of it, our meditation practice is about returning again and again to this present moment, returning from distraction, returning from dispersion, bringing ourselves back again and again and again. And what is that training us to do? I think of all those practices, whether it's counting breaths, breathing in and out, whatever the practice that we do is all pointing us to awareness of what's happening in this moment. Awareness of what's going on in body and mind. And all of those practices are really like training wheels on our practice.
they lead us to become aware. They lead us to become aware that we are aware. We're aware of what we're counting. We're aware of what uh, meta we're offering, loving kindness we're offering to another person or to ourselves. We're aware of the elements of our bodies, the elements of the world around us, the earth, the fire, breath, awareness of awareness of these things. So if you notice, like in the, when, when the Buddha sat down and said, how do we practice? You sit down, find a place that's quiet. You sit, bring your awareness into the, in front of you and breathing in, you know that you're breathing in. So, so many, many years of my practice, I would just sit there going, I know I'm breathing in, I know I'm breathing out. I know I'm breathing in, I know I'm breathing out. And those were these wonderful training wheels. And that, But the Buddha didn't say, go into the forest and sit there and say to yourself, I know I'm breathing in, I know I'm breathing out. He said to go and know it. Just know it. That's awareness of awareness. When we just know that we are breathing in and breathing out. So let's practice just for a moment, awareness of awareness. You don't have to move. Don't move exactly where you are. Let's close your eyes. Become aware of your posture where if your bottom against your chair or the cushion, become aware of where your hands are in the world in relation to your body and to relation to the room you're sitting in. Just in and out, aware of this breath Where the sound of my voice, aware of the room that you're sitting in, and now see if you can notice awareness of awareness of all those things, awareness of awareness itself. Awareness that awareness is happening here, right now, right here. Aware of the temperature of the room. Aware that you either feel warm or cool or neither warm nor cool, just neutral. 
aware that you are aware of that sensation. And now just awareness of awareness itself. Presence. And there it is. This is what Dogen was speaking of. You can open your eyes again. This is what open uh, Dogen was speaking of. Like when we practice like that, that is awakening. We are awake. And it's beautiful. When we practice metta, we practice to increase loving kindness toward ourselves and others. When we calm body and mind, we still and relax our body and our mind. And when counting our breaths, you know, like the first practice I did on my own was counting my breaths and I didn't have a teacher to give me another other practice. So I practiced for, for over three years, just uh, counting my breathing. One, two, three, and the point was not to just get very good at counting to 10. <laughs> the point there was to learn attentiveness, focus, and concentration. And that's what we're doing with each of our practices. Whatever practice we do, that's what we're doing. The time on our cushion is just as important as the time off the cushion that we devote to Sangha activities, to Dharma study, to memorization, to internalizing and actualizing the mindfulness trainings. There are three legs to the stool of our practice. Sila, Samadhi, and Prajna. And Sila is morality or virtue, the internalizing of the precepts and the mindfulness trainings, the internalizing of the Dharma, our morality. Samadhi is the single pointedness of mind. Samadhi is the result of concentration and focus and aspiration and intention and right effort, the just doing it, doing the practice. And then what is prajna? Prajna is the realization of the truth that arises through deep, deep meditation. Think about that. Prajna, wisdom, or 
insight. That's the realization of the truth that arises through this deep meditation to giving ourselves to samadhi. So when we practice awareness of awareness itself, we don't try to focus on anything specifically, nor do we try to make thoughts go away. We simply allow everything to be just as it is. And with awareness of awareness, things just as they are. Suzuki Roshi would say, it's things as it is, things as it is. Thoughts come, thoughts go, and we simply watch them, keeping our awareness on them, not getting carried away by them or with them. And that takes a lot of energy and persistence to sit in awareness of awareness. And that's why we practice these other practices so that we learn to come back to this breath, to this sensation, to this awareness of pleasant feeling, unpleasant feeling, neutral feeling. We don't get caught in our thoughts. We don't get lost in daydreaming. Don't get lost in a train of thought. So in Japanese Zen, this practice is called shikantaza. Shikantaza. And it just means what I said right from the beginning. It means just sitting. And one of, one of my teachers, uh, Roshi Bernie Glassman, when I spent some time with him, he gave a talk on Shikantaza, just sitting. And he said that the way it's written in Japanese, it means just sitting, just sitting. <laughs> Taking it seriously. Being completely present. Little by little, thoughts begin to slow down and finally cease to arise. Those of us who have been practicing a while, we know this to be true. When Dogen was asked, what should, what should I do in the cushion? He said, think not thinking. Think not thinking. And think not thinking. What is that? And he said, it's non-thinking. Non-thinking is just what we've been talking about. Awareness of awareness. In awareness of awareness, it's not no thinking. When the thought disappears, the thinker disappears. <laughs> and this is the samadhi of falling away of body and mind. And that's the infamous other shore that the sutras and Thai teach us about. The other shore that is such an important teaching to and from our brother Bob here. The ultimate dimension 
meditation that is awareness of awareness itself eventually leads to this state of meditative consciousness and absorption that we call samadhi. Samadhi is the last of the eight elements of the Noble Eightfold Path. It, arise, it refers to the arising of an investigative and luminous mind that is equanimous and mindful. What's an investigative mind? It's one that is curious. We're curious about this experience in this moment. Developing a samadhi, cultivating, nurturing awareness of awareness takes energy and effort. It requires aspiration and intention. And it's why Dharma teachers always advocate practicing every day and why we advocate going on meditation retreats. And for years, I was doing about seven weeks of meditation retreats a year. And it was wonderful because I was being guided to spend the kind of time, invest the kind of time that results in this meditative absorption that touches this sense of awakening. It's nothing we have to work at. It's right here. It's right now. We each have access to it. But the hustle and bustle of day-to-day -day life in the 21st century causes us to see and focus on only this temporal dimension that's of time and space right before us, this historical dimension. And as I'm coming more and more to think of it as the hysterical dimension as I get older. <laughs> but there's something more. There's something more. And that something more is simultaneously mysterious and magnificent, elusive and right here. That something more is beyond and before space and time. It's after and outside of space and time. And the only way I know of to touch it is to experience samadhi, profound concentration, profound concentrative absorption. And then allowing that samadhi to lead us to prajna, the truth that arises through deep meditation through this very deep meditation. I know you all love the trainings. I know you love the Dharma. I know each of you. And I know how you are about the Dharma. You wouldn't be here if you didn't love the Dharma. Pursue meditative absorption and concentration with equal fervor. Aspire to the insight that arises from the confluence of morality and samadhi, 
the training and the practice results in wisdom, results in insight. I love spending time with you. I thank you for being with me today and give me the opportunity to share what's on my heart. <laughs>